Welcome everyone to the Pop Culture Podcast by Fantastic Geek. My name is Matt. I'm wearing the white A-shirt sleeveless shirt. And joining me, as always, is the guy wearing the black A-shirt sleeveless shirt. It's Pete. Hello, Pete. My spandex is getting clean. Hello, Matt. Hello, everybody. Here today to discuss with you our impressions of the final turn for Hugh Jackman as uh, Wolverine in Logan, which strangely, Matt, is an anagram for a long. Indeed, in that two hours and 21 minutes, I didn't think that it was too long. I thought it was just about right. Uh, In fact, Pete, many times you note how often I check my watch. Uh, Usually that's so I can ascertain pacing. So enraptured was I with the greatest uh, X-Meniverse film, perhaps since X2, perhaps ever. I only check my watch once. I didn't check my watch at all. That still doesn't mean it wasn't long. Uh, We will handle all of uh, my qualms as we go through this, but let's jump right in. 2029, the setting here, there haven't been any mutant births in 25 years. What do you think of the setup, Matt? Uh, I think that given that they want to do Old Man Logan, uh, that's the inspiration, that wonderful, wonderful comic run. Um, But can't do some of the MCU characters that play a role in that book um, and don't want to burn off the X-Men storyline that takes place at some point in the nearer future. Um, I thought it was a really elegant way to be able to strip away the things that they did not want to do, to be able to do Old Man Logan, to be able to do X-23, to be able to do Charles Xavier, and to make it a, a, a an intimate action-packed R-rated bloodbath that also uh, takes the world and reflects it back upon itself. The real world, Pete. Well, there you said it. I mean, we're, we're, we've got references. We'll, we'll deal with this in a little bit. <clears throat> but just, you know, a, a lot of what seems to be in the news right now. Um, but I enjoyed how it was close enough to our uh, time frame at the same time. Uh, far enough ahead to to speculate. We didn't see any ridiculous over the top technology. You know, he's driving a uh, what do they say? It was a twenty four Chrysler in in two thousand twenty nine. Though he says in the opening scene um, that that was a hoot, that it was a lease. Um, but believable uh, as far as a version of our future uh, X Men, notwithstanding. <laughs> Believable uh, indeed, and and Pete, I think our longtime listeners know that we uh, we never preach from the podcast pulpit. Uh, we're we're just reading off the uh, you know reading the the intent or possible intent or possible uh, uh, critical way in which to look at the things that we that we podcast. But this imagining certainly a dystopian future, one of uh, certainly less diversity in the mutant department as you mentioned, and um, though this is taking place at the at the fringes of, uh, I don't want to quite say society, but you know, here we are, border town, small towns, this is not big city slicker stuff. Uh, still, though, you feel the long arm of the government as, uh, as Logan and, uh, and the fourth, you know, the, the unfolding story kind of, uh, kind of meet. 
my issue, one of several with the film, but my issue is that given its length, two hours, 21 minutes, um, in a movie, I, I don't think was warranted to be anywhere near that long, despite the tantalizing storyline of, of old man Logan, I think that we really have three different films in that running time. There's the dystopian setup here. They've, they've built the wall, Matt, uh, you know, he's, he's shuttling all of these, um, you know, the, the, the kids in tuxedos yelling, uh, you know, USA. And then he's got, uh, you know, looks like a bridal party later on and, you know, whatever, whatever Uber becomes by 2029, his, his means of, of, uh, subsistence at that point, you know, you've got the, the middle of the movie, which is essentially a, a road film. Um, and with the, the family stuff, both the, uh, makeshift family that has formed around Logan with dad and daughter. And you've also got the family that they meet. Hey, it's ER's Eric LaSalle. And then you've got the, the final kitty ending battle, Mad Max Thunderdome ish thing happening there. So I, I think tonally it was, it was three different pieces, not so much acts as it was, well, here's this depressing beginning part. Here's this hopeful middle. And then here's this sloppy Joe ending. Pete, let me tell you about a little movie that John Ford made, 1939's Stagecoach, which starts out in a uh, border town where things aren't quite working out the way they should. Uh, Claire Trevor is being drummed out by the uh, more moral ladies of town because she's a lady of ill repute, but they don't say it. Uh, then the middle part, they're on the road in the stagecoach and uh, get to know each other. Pete, indeed, there's family stuff because a baby gets dropped off by a stork. Not really a stork, um, but there's a whole boil the water and get clean towels bit. Uh, then at the end, you have uh, you, you have the showdown, the resolution, and uh, and so forth. I think that the the western style movie DNA that that uh, Logan was intended to have, Logan as a, as a film was intended to have, wonderfully translated here, where it gets to be an X Men movie and dystopian future movie and and still rattling around on the skeleton of of a western i could have bared for the beginning part of the movie to more tonally match everything else um i understand the need for the middle and to give us some hope before they could kill off uh Charles Xavier and kill off uh, Logan and, you know, turn the uh, cross into an X. And now you have all these kids that if they choose to revisit this timeline in the franchise, okay, now they're in Canada and you've got female Wolverine go. But the thing that I think a lot of people are attracted to with the old man Logan storyline is that Western quiet, you know, contemplative idea. And I think we didn't get enough of it. Oddly for me, the more boring parts are when things in this film are happening. I think that insofar as this is a 
I wouldn't even say an, uh, an interpretation of Old Man Logan. It's more of a, a, a tonal descendant of it. I think that there's a certain limit to how much you can have uh, Wolverine um, looking old and veins popping out of his head and gray hair and, and things of that sort, uh, particularly since I felt there was so much rich story going on. Um, I was okay with the fact that we didn't get more of those quiet moments. Um, and um, I think most of the action scenes, I mean, certainly <laughs> the R rating is certainly deserved for violence, um, particularly violence perpetrated by a child in this film. Uh, but I, I know I just felt, I felt that uh, I, I felt it was, it was quite a well-crafted story. I think for Hugh Jackman to have played this character in what was it? It was the original three X one, two, three. Okay. The, this is his uh, third Wolverine solo outing three there. He was in days of uh, futures past. So seven, right? This is his seventh total outing cameoed in um, first class. Okay. So eight. Yeah. Right. Okay, so so eighth uh, outing, let's let's call it seven full time. You know, one one uh, one cameo uh, to to put it to this to put it to bed in in this chapter. Although we know that could eventually change, um, makes sense. It's the right place on the continuum, if you will, for that to happen. Um, I I just didn't feel the resonance. There's there's the whole thing about him being poisoned by the adamantium in his body. Um, the the whole thing that that makes him so dangerous. You know, shades of what we've seen before with Iron Man, Iron Man Two. You know, another subpar comic effort. Um, you know, in in the annals of. Uh, Marvel film, I I just think this never quite comes together as a film. Um, but all right, so it's his final outing. He he gets to uh, play himself. He gets to play X twenty four, which initially, when you're exposed to that, is takes a minute or two to figure out because um, of the way that they shot the scene, the the lighting involved. Um, I suppose it is what it needed to be, Matt. Yeah, I thought that. Uh, I mean, first of all, let's let's acknowledge the scope of this film. Um, everybody apparently involved with it was uh, was content for it to be an R movie. Hugh Jackman accepted a a pay reduction in order to make it at an R rating, budgeted at ninety seven million dollars, which uh, I I dare say, while not a uh, not an indie movie particularly here we are pete one week after uh moonlight which cost 1.5 million dollars uh one best picture so certainly 97 million dollars is nothing to uh nothing to uh underplay that said for a movie of this scope it's uh it's quite a low budget and i don't know for them to have this for them to have this um roadshow type approach to to the story i thought was a really effective way to strip away the junk that has cluttered the x-men films and frankly clutters any less than great comic book movie which is when they get too involved with the business of being a comic book movie and not involved enough with being a great movie by itself 
So we have that middle chunk of the movie, Matt, and we have handed Laura off from the uh, nurse uh, who was in the Mexico City, uh, you know, underground clinic and developed an attachment with her to uh, Logan and Charles Xavier. And we establish that Logan is dad. A reveal, I think, came a little too soon for my liking but logan is dad charles is referred to to the other family as dad i know you know you mean to say granddad there but dad dad and then you can't escape the fact that laura bears a striking resemblance to a super young fomka jansen uh, well, I would disagree with two thirds of that. Um, actually, I would disagree with most of what you said there, Pete. Um, maybe it's because I, I, uh, I trod the boards of watching the, the commercials for this, uh, a little bit more than I normally would. So, so I lose some points for my spoiler free status on this, but, um, I also have read and enjoyed, uh, the, uh, all new Wolverine series starring her. So I kind of knew the background. Uh, to me, the, the reveal came at the right time, particularly since once you get once you get Laura and Logan and uh, and Xavier in the <laughs> in the variety of cars in which they travel, um, that's when it kind of crystallizes into becoming this this multi generational family story. So for Logan and indeed the audience to, to have that outed, I was okay with that. As for Charles as a de facto dad to her, that I disagree with. I think no, no, was... no, no, no. I meant for Logan. Okay. Well, then I'm He's okay. referred to as dad. You know, while we know he is not the character's father, it just felt like dad, dad, dad. You know, I was more tantalized. Who's mom? You know, we have the DNA, everything there. I felt that the casting just screamed we're trying to make this little girl look like a young Jean Grey that to me would have you know give me a line give me there was one line that uh, Charles uttered um, in regards to uh, her parentage that was more spoken in retrospect to Logan I believe it was before the reveal but almost makes sense in light of who Jean Grey was, they had her DNA that they put the two of these uh, characters traits into uh, Laura. We know they had this star cross romance in uh, that original trilogy. That to me would have made this a more satisfying outing. Well, I guess I'm of two thoughts when I hear you say that first is I'm thinking of, um, all the times that George Lucas has stressed that Star Wars was only ever a father-son story, um, even as, you know, he uh, Darth Vader has a daughter running around and all that. Um, so I certainly don't want to underplay the importance of having a maternal role um, in, in stories, and, and this is a movie entirely without one. Um, uh, perhaps the nurse character being an exception, but certainly there's not there's not the there's not the mom 
to Laura as there is the dad, uh, albeit through cloning and whatnot, uh, that there is. Um, I think it would have been a little too razzle dazzle for my tastes if you said, "Oh, oh," and they and they took the Jean Grey DNA. I'm okay with just with just saying science, science, because of the wave of because we can wave the hand with science fiction gender mother stuff aside because we can use science fiction to to wave a magic wand this is now entirely your child and entirely your progeny and there's not there's not a a, a mother figure to be dependent on so step up as a father uh and as to charles as grandfather or charles as logan's de facto father i think that's where we get into one of the the larger more uh more so- uh, somber themes of the movie where here we are dealing with uh, an aging parent, a parent with a degenerative uh, brain symptoms, um, somebody who is, you know, who is in, in the final phase of life, not quite dying, but but Alzheimer's like. Um, and for all of that, I credit I credit the film for being able to tackle that issue, along with a whole bunch of other issues that we're going to discuss shortly. But this notion of Logan kind of wants to do his own thing and now he needs to be a dad and now he needs to care for an aging father. Yeah. I mean, I would agree thematically with a lot of those ideas. It, it just for whatever reason didn't resonate and that's not at all for the efforts of uh, Jackman and Stewart, who I thought were the, the soul of the movie. I just think the 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 villain aspect was um, unconvincing and unwarranted, and it, it it's just there. It, it feels like there's no particular drive. All right, we got to get to, and it was cute, uh, it, nay creative, how they threw you. All right, the coordinates are on the comic book that are on the Manila envelope, which. Which is which? Did one get one from the other? Uh, they get there. There are the kids. But you know, I again, I, I wanted a little bit more of the 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 sci-fi to go with my dystopia. You know, the, I kept coming to the the pods as you saw them in the comic book. Would we have something similar? No. Nope, here's a treehouse. Uh, perhaps perhaps I'm sharing. Perhaps I'm about to share. Uh, more of my own views, Pete, or perhaps not. But bottom line, uh, though I know this movie was uh, scripted, conceived, and shot uh, before, let's say, the last five months or so, um, (laughs) here's my takeaway from the villainous forces in this. Shady government action going on in in, in a gray space, going on, as indeed we see from this... uh, Company, which albeit is meant to be a private company, but kind of private government. It's all very vague. That works for me. Um, I mean, my goodness, uh, you know, using using uh, children, minority children, uh, for for the purposes of making a buck, for the purposes of kind of biotech type stuff, weaponizing stuff, uh, military stuff. Um, I'm okay with all of that being a villain um, versus. We're gonna we're gonna take the nice man from Star Wars and paint him blue and make him very giant and he's been around for two thousand years or five thousand <laughs> years. 
to me, this kind of like I'm okay. I haven't even watched that one yet. Okay, it just hit uh, cable uh, HBO yesterday. Um, So there, we're not going to have a a beef. And I get it. This is prescient in terms of what's going on. I gotta wonder, um, you know, was the was the USA stuff in the in the limo? Was that a late ad? Uh, last fall after the election, who knows? Okay, God knows the the stuff about building a wall has been out there, unfortunately, long enough. Um, but for what would be the final effort? And um, the the Patrick Stewart stuff was a more recent announcement, but the Hugh Jackman thing. This has been a a victory tour going out with this one. I just felt it was a okay to a little bit more than okay movie in what really could have aspired to be that much greater. And I think there's some dead space in this film, um, you know, middle to end that we just never recover from. I, I, I disagree. I like the pauses and I like that the movie in, in a subtle way, the movie starts to uh, explore, let's say in the first half, it's this notion of, uh, hey, our protagonist is getting older. Okay, that's all, that's all well, and, well and good enough. Uh, then now he has to accept uh, his aging father and he has to now uh, you know, become a bit more mature to handle that and then you know, be, a, be a parent type to Laura. Then there's this, as the story moves into its second half, this notion of um, the the next generation must step up. This is not a story that's conducive to uh, showing her older or six months later or time travel, uh, Lost in Space, the movie style, where you see your older self. It doesn't do any of those, I think, because of this intentional restraint that the story is showing, not these highest heights of time travel and days of future past and all that nonsense. But the fact that she then drives him to the doctor. She drives her quote unquote father to the doctor. The fact that towards the end, yes, there is certainly help from Logan. Hello, it's a Logan movie. These children learn to stand up for themselves, learn to grow up in that moment. Um, and to me, just this, this, this notion of we see the rising up of the next generation to make the current generation atone for its sins. Uh, again, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, um, Maybe I'm bringing bringing some views or whatnot to to the film. Whether I am or not, I think that to see such things in what otherwise could have been Pete, it was two hours of two hours of R-rated fun. Not that there's anything wrong with that, and I love Deadpool, but this aspired to be so much more, and for me, it hit the mark. Well, let's talk about children growing up, and suddenly at that, Matt, how about uh, Laura, who is mute for three quarters of the film? who can suddenly talk and drive a car. How about that? Um, well, Pete, in the future, cars are a lot easier to drive. No, I, I guess there, there's not a practical way to excuse that partial asterisk of if there are self-driving uh, um, cargo trucks, um, is it possibly easier to drive a car of your own? I mean, I, I think that's an area of, of sci-fi that the movie's not exploring. Um, ultimately I'm okay with it because I think it, it serves the metaphor perhaps a bit more than the story. And I, even if that wasn't their intention, they were just like, oh, I don't know how to get, 
I don't know how to get us to town so he can get patched up by the doctor. If they felt like it was a sore point in the story, the good news is they cut away from it, fade out, fade in, and the thing has already happened. The impossible thing has already happened. So with the par- with the partial exception of you know, her getting in, then there's a long shot of her turning the truck around and whatnot. So yeah, if it was a sore spot for them, they kind of cut away from it. So I give them credit for not showing the thing they didn't want to show. I think it betrays the really great part about uh, newcomer Daphne Keene's character, this feral little girl, uh, you know, tinier version of Wolverine, obviously with the DNA and everything there, but to suddenly change it up later in the film and have her talking and have her taking on things she's not done before, it ruins what is established earlier in the film. Sounds to me, Pete, like she starts to grow up. Um, but my wonderful observation aside, I mean, look, I, I I think you were hitting on an area of story that is perhaps a little flourish of the writer, conceit of the writer. And I don't mean conceited or arrogant, just you're hitting on something that is slightly less real. Uh, I'm okay with the notion that she was just so darned angry that she didn't talk up until that point, even though it does strain credulity a little bit. Um, I'm still, I'm okay with it as, as, hey, the writer did this as opposed to the story organically did it. To me, this was a project that it was announced and even with that announcement, it stayed beneath the radar. There's a lot other higher profile comic properties in the pipeline out just before uh, and and coming after that this kind of inhabited a, a space where it was able to stay beneath the radar a little bit. And then you had that glorious trailer with Johnny Cash singing Hurt that the moment I finished that, I said, I will see this movie on the first weekend. There was no doubt about it. Tonally, visually, musically, perfection. And I think that with each glimpse we got culminating in seeing the film today with you, I took away from that mystique. And I get editing and I get what you want to show people. And, and maybe, you know, they, they knew what they had and they really had to dress it up. But I, I just don't think we got the film that was promised in that first trailer. Pete, this is a film that gave us uh, the, the dusty the dusty Texas border town. This is a film that at one point gives us in Batty Donald Pierce. Uh, that's right, Pete. We're not being provocative when we say Donald is a bad, bad man in this movie. Um, we got at one moment just this inspired shot of Donald and his other uh, his other hooligans leaning against the truck, sun setting behind them, the, all the glorious reds and pinks and purples uh, and blues of of not just a setting sun, but a, but a, you know the the Midwest sun. Um, we have the small town. Uh, we we have Oklahoma City. Uh, we have highways and byways of the middle of the country. I, I mean, to me, if they were, if they were going for a, um, a, a modern Western aesthetic, 
um, as somewhat implicitly promised by the uh, by the man in black himself. I, I feel like they delivered. If they were looking to offer, you know, the the, the tortured soul. I mean, that's that's always been Logan to a nutshell. Um, I didn't feel that there was any disparity if, uh, from that first trailer indeed in this either the second or the third one when we see uh laura in the uh in convenience, the convenience store, store just this notion of this notion of a a young woman's rage spilling forth having had enough after having been been kept down to me there was a huge resonance there um and and, and that's I don't know. I feel like there was an underlying um, theme of, of of rage and and people finally having had enough, both in the classic Western sense and also in a more modern sense of uh, you know let's let's strap in for the fight here because it's the right thing to do. I just think it could have been a lot slimmer, a lot more intimate. Didn't need the the connection with another family and the the subplot of going out to fix the water and then coming back, you know, there was some real fat there. It yields a nice moment of them around the table, the little girl with the corn and everything there. But I think we could have arrived at that another way instead of let's stick another family, which then gets brutally murdered um, in there. Uh, did, did we really need a, a doppelganger uh, X24 uh, Logan running about? I, I think, that's really a, a flourish that was unwarranted as well. I think there's a leaner, meaner, more powerful cut of this movie within two hours and 21 minutes of uh, Logan, little girl, and, you know, three quarters of that with uh, Charles Xavier, who, you know, doesn't even get uh, a, a real great, satisfying death moment pete as for x24 i'm gonna say something and i mean this x24 is us x24 is the audience x24 is everyone who who bought a ticket for this movie and said wow 17 years x24 is the is wolverine at his prime it's the lean mean killing machine it's the it's the Wolverine that in the first X-Men movie, when he stabs a, uh, you know, when the, the military type bad guys break into the X-Mansion, they couldn't keep their rating by showing him stab the guy bloodlessly in the chest um, and then the guy fall down. They needed to, they got the note from the MPAA that, that keeping that would lower the, uh, the rating. So they did stab him. Cut to close up of Wolverine going, Rah! then back to the guy falling down. The Wolverine that's been held back by raiding by this, by that. That's that's the that's the Wolverine that we got there. That's also so it's this kind of notion of the past, and here the past is confronting the man who has aged. Um, and here, Pete, you know, maybe if if listeners want to quibble as to some of the um, some of the uh, more current day. Uh, interpretations of the film, I would grant them that, but I I couldn't help but but seeing this movie and seeing this younger, leaner, meaner X twenty four, the notion that when there was first announced to be the first X Men movie, I was a late teenager, and here Pete, now I am middle aged almost. Um, 
there's the X-23, you know, pardon me, X-24. There, there's the X-24 that we all used to be at one point. We all used to be the leaner, meaner, you know, cool guy, all in black, etc. And And here we are these years later, not that. Right, but I don't understand why that has to be tacked on. I, I think the film honestly tried to do too much um, for what it needed to be. A send-off for one, turns out, uh, announced after the film is finished, two uh, characters benign, uh renown in these roles it's uh stewart's second most visible role and for him to go out you know he had a he had an epic death in that third film regardless what you might think of it and i think it's it's choppy and uneven um as a product they sent him off well and you know to bring him back into some of these other films here it it just doesn't match. I I I felt I felt upset for the character that, and obviously he's going to continue to show up um, as long as there are X Men films. But to see Stewart's um, Charles Xavier go out stabbed by. Uh, yeah, betrayed by a, a younger looking Logan, but not to have any final words with him, not to to have a, a, a real meaningful death, I, I think was yet another shortcoming in this film. Pete, I certainly agree. <laughs> if we could say definitively, and this is it for Patrick Stewart playing Professor Charles Xavier, um, I, I I would have wished that there was more of a goodbye too, if only just the speech that that Logan delivers graveside. Uh, I will not allow the the cheat of the writer here of well he was so overcome he couldn't possibly say anything. Um, How about two? You know, just because he doesn't appear in this film, the connection with Xavier and uh, Eric Lencher and and uh, Magneto there. Maybe a, a, again a, a reference something. Is he is he out there? Is he not? They were so intertwined. I feel like the end of Xavier, without some kind of connection to his uh, Yang in Magneto, just makes me feel like there there's more to have here. I I disagree. I think that. The movie, if the movie set out to strip away all of those things, I think it set up a story where that exists just fine. Logan wants to be left alone. Um, Xavier is clearly of diminished mental capacity. Um, and that lines up with the desire to do Old Man Logan, where whole swaths of people in the comic version are gone. It also aligns perfectly with the desire to do, you know, grandpa, dad, and daughter. Um, and, and to leave it like that, it also is in line with, Hey, we're going to do an R rated movie. So we got to cut, you know, uh, $75 million from, from this budget. Um, so to me, that all lined up perfectly just to wrap up the thought on, on Stuart though. Um, it would have been nice if he got more of a graveside speech. What I really appreciated from the story though, was that it is, it is all but 
100% clear that he knows as he dies that it was not Logan who did it. Um, the fact that the fact that Logan's able to say to him, it wasn't me. And, and I, I felt as an audience member, a great service was done to me yes. to just yes. know, well, the man died in peace of that, you know, peace in that regard. I can't, you know, not, not to say, oh, peacefully, because he's bleeding to death from a chest wound from a doppelganger clone thing. But just, I, I, I would have been heartbroken to think that Professor Charles Xavier died thinking Logan killed him. Some of the more honest moments, the most honest moments of this movie are the interaction between a lucid Xavier and Logan. And for that to happen there, that's impactful. And yes, that uh, brings the audience into understanding what went on. But, you know, something about, you know, don't don't let the girl down. Don't let her you know, suffer like you have, you know, show her there's goodness in the world. I, I just feel like all the optimism that Xavier stood for was was just snuffed out, apart from the fact the way they build up this ticking time bomb in him of his abilities and how his brain is ge- degenerating and then just snuff out the candle. Is that life, Pete? Pete, though, let's move on to uh, to what you have in the notes as Laura.mov. Yeah, this popped up within the last three weeks, really, online. Much of the footage that we see in uh, Gabriella's uh, phone after the fact that she's recorded for them. Uh, I did like that they had the uh, the phone die at one point and he had to plug it back in so they could see the rest, you know, added a little dramatic tension. Was there something that we had missed? Um, but again, with the marketing, I, I think that it, it just established such a high early on and they never come close to equaling where they were with that. When did we see that trailer in front of uh, um, Rogue One, if I remember correctly? I think so. I know it, it has not been, uh, it wasn't one of these in 18 months. It, it's not. Right. And, and, and not that I'm trying to suggest that those can be misfires. Star Wars has done it just fine. The fact that uh, the fact that the next Avengers movie they've started the promo with filming starts filming started two weeks ago for a movie that's going to come out in 18 months. There's a place for it. Um, But that's different. You didn't see that in front of a major release here. We saw Johnny cash covering nine inch nails, right? uh, Yes. And it, it works so beautifully. And you know, all right, here's uh camera, camera phone footage of the clinic tossing on the internet. And, you know, it's, it's interesting from a viral perspective, but when I heard about that and saw it, and then you see it in the film, I almost got the feeling like it did that need to be included. Can we just let that be its own thing? A la a a Cloverfield or, or some of the viral marketing that was done there. Now, granted that was entirely more complex than what went on in, uh, that particular film. Um, but you know, 
the way they split it up worked for me. Otherwise, again, as as part of a marketing um, strategy, less than effective. Well, I was I was not aware that it had it, that it had gotten out there as a viral marketing thing. Uh, maybe that's Pete. Maybe that's one of the benefits to staying hashtag spoiler pure. Um, to me, it completely worked because it gives you the whole horrific backstory i mean the notion that these are these are imprisoned imprisoned parentless children um and the visual images there of you know born to mothers who no one would miss and you see the 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 blood soaked um birthing area and and so on and so forth to me it, it was it was just a potent potent way to introduce this backstory love the conceit that it's it's interrupted since it is exposition time. It's, you know, Pete, how many times have we done a podcast about a TV show where we say, thank goodness they're watching expositional news or listening to expositional radio. This was a way to get your cake and eat it too. And Pete, I just want to point out as a little note of trivia here that, uh, that uh, nurse character, of course, played by Elizabeth Rodriguez of uh, Orange is the New Black and Fear the Walking Dead. Pete, she is an award winner a, for, for, for a stage show do you know what uh, what play she won a 2011 Outer Critics Circle Award for as Outstanding Featured Actress? Well, I know it's not Fear the Walking Dead. <laughs> That's true. Pete, it's the play that you can't say the name of uh, that uh, took, uh, took, took the stage at the Gerald Schoenfeld Theater. That's the mother mm, with the hat. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, speaking of marketing, Matt, um, I had drawn your attention to it, uh, in fact, yesterday uh, when Ryan Reynolds released onto YouTube, given the hubbub over uh, the, what do we want to call this, a, a, a pre-roll uh, sequence, really, with the, uh, the, the Deadpool uh, vignette. Uh, or or short, if you want to call it. I wish they had the guts to treat it as a short, the way Pixar and Disney and, and I think occasionally the other animation places have done it. You know, in the last ten years. Yeah. I, I wish they oh, just had the guts that. to go. Here's a short movie with a title and a this and a that, as opposed to here's a really neat preview that's been made just for you. Well, I wonder if that wasn't done and maybe kind of cut back given the film's two hour and 21 minute runtime. But, um, well, wait, wait, wait. May, may I respond? Yeah. Well, hang on. <laughs> okay. Let me, let me finish the point and then I will certainly allow you to respond. Uh, it is given the subtitle, no good deed, uh, when it is, uh, legally, of course, Matt uploaded and, and put on <laughs> the, the tubes of you. Because uh, I'm not going to deny uh, a couple times on Facebook, I scrolled past and and saw some uh, some less than ethical stuff happening. And you know, again, good on Ryan Reynolds and and realizing uh, people want to see this, and rather than them seeing a, a grainy, uh, terrible version, we're going to show you the real version. In fact, Matt. As I'll note after you make your point, they showed a little bit of a, a, a different version online. The smart thing was to have it before the movie and not after. Uh, the audience that we saw it with, Pete, uh, in, in my view, and perhaps it was just mirroring my own uh, myriad of, of emotions as the movie ended, 
um, I felt that as as the movie ended, the credits start, and there's the realization, welcome back to the real world, I felt that the audience was was stunned. I hope stunned by the potency of the story. Um, Not the place to put a guy yeah. changing uh, naked, uh, you know, and, and other less than highbrow jokes at the end of the film. So congrats on reading the tone. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I mean the notion that you, you essentially end with, uh, so you end with the following things. Goodbye, Hugh Jackman. Goodbye, Logan. Uh, Christ's cross turned into the X-Man X. Don't know how deeply you want to read into that, but Logan died for our sins. Uh, you also end with, uh, and, and lo, the children now must become adults. And you end with, Oh, and they're leaving America, the hateful place, and they're going to cross the border to the land, the real land of mutant opportunity, which is not America. Um, and oh, by the way, Pete, it's a bunch of uh, Mexican children who have been, uh, uh, by way of science, separated from their parents, and now they're. We also had agents trying to keep them on the proper side of the border, et cetera, et cetera. And the end. A little bit later, naked Ryan Reynolds, but definitely would have. Definitely, yeah, as you said, Pete, congrats on reading the tone properly. Um, with that, we were missing, the. I think, the two things that make the Deadpool short what it is. The first, and he's actually responded to it, um, is Stan Lee's cameo, which, if you've seen the theatrical version of this, um, he's not in the Logan film. And his appearance in the Deadpool short wind up on the cutting room floor. That is thankfully restored uh, in the Ryan Reynolds uploaded version. Matt, have you had a chance to see that? Oh, absolutely. Now that now that it's no longer a spoiler, um, or not spoiling the the go see Logan experience, I saw it, and um, I liked the Stanley inclusion. I could have done without the weird phone call to Laird, his, his meaning Deadpool's customer. Uh, I, I almost, if you could have Stanley plus everything else that was in the theatrical version, I would have been a okay with that. Well, I think including the call to Laird and then that he's laying on top of the body in this really twisted homage to the sisterhood of the traveling pants <laughs> And mentioning to this corpse uh, about his costumer, that is so in line with the character. And, you know, the the decision to have the marquee for Logan out front and, and that's where everything happens. And having seen both versions and listening to what the old man tells the robber, you know, I've seen your face, da 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 and then the gunshot which is no less shocking the second time you see it. Um, I, I just think, you know, get, get Stan Lee in the, in the film, man, we're not going to have him forever. Find a way to make that happen. Well, Pete, as we wrap up our thoughts here on Logan, let me just summarize what the, this potent cinematic experience was for me. We get an X-Men movie. We get an action movie. We get a movie about, uh, a young girl being forced to grow up and and take her rightful place in, in the next generation. We get missives on aging parents, dealing with parents who have declining functions, uh, accepting one's own mortality, parenting, 
immigration, discrimination, all of that in two hours and 20 minutes. Quite the swan song for uh, for Logan here and uh, quite the swan song for uh, the association of Hugh Jackman with that character. I'll, I'll spin it like this. It's too long with uh, not enough paid to uh, attention to detail with the important character deaths and the characterization of critical characters in the film comes and goes. Pete, as always, so glad that our listeners have tuned in. We have uh, Bob Keeley, who listens uh, during his commute in the morning and the afternoon. Uh, we have uh, our pal Hydra Lives, that's Will. Uh, same thing, morning commute on public transit. And Pete, showing it's a small world. In fact, bringing it back to Wolverine himself. Our pal Shmahu uh, listens all the way from Melbourne, Australia. He says, so glad I found you guys. We're glad to have you listening, Shmahu. Thanks for listening, one and all. Absolutely. We have the best listeners and fans, and uh, so happy to be a part of your days. Also want to give a quick thanks to all our listeners who support us on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. Literally could not do it without you. You keep not just the current stuff up there on the interwebs, but all the old stuff as well, going back, Pete, these many uh, years. Matt and I were talking the other day about the amount of content. Now that we are uh, 151 Marvel Cinematic Universe TV episodes deep, and we're the only podcast to bring them all to you, just the amount of bandwidth that that tears up. Uh, so just know that you are a vital part of uh, keeping that on the internet indeed pete just a quick look on our uh, storage provider there are 519 things saved to uh to our account and that's all kept online uh with the help of those listeners so thank you so much to all of them one and all but pete people don't want to hear what they got to pay for people want to hear about the best freebie out there how people can talk with you on the twitter you can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 8,995 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast 24-7, 365. We are Fantastic Geek. That's fantastic with the P and the H. Fantasticgeek at gmail.com. Fantasticgeek.com. Fantastic Geek on Twitter and Instagram as well. Pete, where else? Facebook.com forward slash Fantastic Geek, all one word with the PH like it today. Well, that Pete, I'm going to say that it's time to go home and tell Mother that the settlers have won and there are no more guns in the valley. And I'll leave you to the final word. Richter, Delilah, Charlotte, Bobby, Rebecca. It's Alpha and Omega's kingdom come And the whirlwind is in the thorn tree The virgins are all trimming their wicks The whirlwind is in the thorn tree It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks In measured a hundredweight and penny pounds 